0: It is an honor to be with you this morning. Um, My wife and I got to celebrate 13 years of marriage this week, so we took two nights away, and it was fantastic. We love you, but it was great to be away from you for a couple nights, okay? No, I'm just kidding. It's really more my three children. (laughs) God bless them. Uh, We are glad to uh, spend some time away, and it really kind of of ties in well with what we're going to be talking about this morning. We've been in a series called uh, Giants Will Fall and at the beginning of the year I had been praying like Lord what is the what what is it for this year is there anything that you want to speak to my heart and I just sensed the Lord's uh, speak to me about Giants Will Fall meaning the the big stuff in our lives the things that feel overwhelming that feel Goliath that Jesus wanted to bring victory for us in those areas and so we've been looking at uh, giant things. We've been talking about uh, temptation in our life. We've been talking about fear, worry, and anxiety. We've been talking about addiction and then adversity this past week. But this week, I want to talk about something that uh, might feel like the, the giant shadow that's been cast over your life. And, and the topic for this morning is relational brokenness relational brokenness. You see, I think for many of us, we, we've grown up in families, and systems, and we have our own issues uh, outside of all the other things that have happened to us that create a way of relating to other people that's really kind of broken. It's messed up. There's, there's broken relationships all around us. And I believe that Jesus wants to teach us something about how we relate to one another. And so this morning, uh, that's what we're going to be talking about. This could look like family strife. It could be severed or broken friendships. It could be heartbrokenness. It could be divorce. Or it could be a marriage that's broken. It's still together, but it's, it's not healthy. It's broken and if you catch yourself saying things like, Jesus and I are fine, we're okay, it's all the other people that I have a problem with. If you, if you hear yourself saying things like that, there might be a chance that there's some relational brokenness going on inside of your life. And I think that's what Jesus wants to speak to. And so, to do that this morning, we're gonna look at a, a portion of scripture from the book of Colossians, chapter three, if you wanna turn there. If you want to go there on your phone app, you can. We also have it on the screens in the same translation that I'm going to read from and invite you to read along with me there. This is Paul speaking to this church at Colossae. And what's unique about this church is that Paul didn't start this church. In fact, one of the people that became a follower of Christ through Paul's ministry went on to this town, began to share the gospel, and a church was born. So this is like the, the crumbs that fell off the table for Paul. Paul doesn't know these people. He hasn't been there. But Epaphras, his, his disciple, visits Paul in Rome, tells him about what's been happening at the church. And so Paul writes this letter to them. And the letter is filled with amazing instructions. He's going to talk a lot about relationships in this portion, okay? Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since, you've been, since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12, therefore as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. This is the word of the Lord so this past week as casey and i were out of town celebrating we were visiting some of our old uh, hangouts we were in our old town the town where we met and fell in love and got married and we're talking about uh, our dating years now i don't know if you're married here and you remember the dating years uh, our dating years were interesting because i kept breaking up with the poor girl so we would date and I'd, you know we i'd be pursuing her and then we'd have a conflict and i was thinking i would think you know if she was the one right then we wouldn't have this problem right because if she were the one then we would be on the same page and we would think the same way about all this stuff and then i'd say ah lord i just don't know i don't know what to do and i break up with her and then like two months later i'd be like man why did i do that that was so dumb i i really like this girl and so i would i would pursue her again and she would she would say oh you know she would receive me back right and then we would I did this three times pursued her broke up with her she she deserves like heavenly crowns and like I don't know something awesome from God just for putting up with me during that dating relationship but but what that exposed was that I had some relational brokenness See, my own brokenness was sabotaging what God was trying to do in my life. And that's what it will do to your life. To, to recognize relational brokenness, we have to look in the rear view of our life. We have to think about the, the key relationships. Maybe it's your home growing up, your mom or your dad or your siblings. Or maybe think about the the friendships or the the dating relationships that you've had and think back on the rearview mirror of your life and, and just ask yourself the question, is there a pattern here? Is there a pattern here? Because there's, there's things in us that are broken and, and we kind of have this cycle, right? We, like me, I, I, let's date, let's break up, let's date. Let's break. It's, it's like this cycle inside of us that, that we see a pattern over and over again in our lives. It's the trail of carnage behind you, right? It's the skeletons in the closet. It's that, the string of severed relationships in your past, or maybe it's this. You, you, you would say of every little season of your life, I always felt fill in the blank, rejected. I always felt slighted. I always felt left out. Or I always felt passed over, unloved. Right? You have things. It's like I mean, in every one of these relationships, I always felt this way. Or it's uh, the, the, the trail of angry blow-ups. Right, the, the unresolved conflicts. We, we have to take a minute and just recognize, what is the pattern in my life? What causes all this? Well, I think we kind of know. It's, it's really what Paul lists. He, he gives us three lists in here if you're paying attention. The first two are bad lists, right? He's like, don't do this stuff anymore. We saw that in, in verse five. Put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. In verse 8, he gives us another one. Put away all the following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language, and do not lie to one another. So he gives us these lists, and if you were to just practice those lists, okay, I'm going to be uh, sexually immoral, impure, lustful, I'm going to have evil desires, and I'm going to have greed, and then I'm going to be angry, wrathful. I'm going to have malice, slander, filth. If you just do those things over and over in your life, guess what you're going to have? A lot of relational brokenness, right? The, the, the thing that causes it is it's our own sinful nature. It's our own sinful nature. It's that part of us that, that does the wrong thing, and, and it says the wrong things at the wrong times, It's it's a self-centered type of thing. Blaise Pascal said this. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man or woman which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. He's saying there's there's a massive hole in you, because of the brokenness, the, the curse that came because of sin, there's a separation that happened, and so there's a piece of you that's missing. Like, you were created to walk with God. And because of that absence, because of that vacuum, right, we have a sinful nature, and it just, it's, it's messed up. Tozer put it this way. He says, sin has twisted our vision inward. Like, we're, we're focusing on ourselves, and he says where God should be and and is perilously close to the sin of Lucifer who said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. He says faith looks out instead of in and the whole life falls into line. So the cause of our relational brokenness is the sinful nature. It can be a generational pattern, right? Maybe you've seen some things in your family Right? You, you look at your parents with their parents and you're like, gosh, I see that. And then I, my parents towards me and now me with my spouse or, or my children. We see these, these patterns that seem to repeat generationally. It can be pain avoidance, right? You, you learn a way of showing up in the world because of, of the stuff that happens you know, the brokenness that you encounter growing up, and you learn how to stay safe. And so when this happens, either I'm going to get big and angry or I'm going to withdraw and run away or whatever. We learn how to avoid pain. It's, it's self-preservation, survival. And the, and the thing is that it's not the authentic you. It's not the you that God had in mind when he knit you together in your mother's womb and gave you a soul and a spirit and a personality And Jesus is coming to restore us. He's coming to restore us. So here's the big idea for this morning, and then we'll kind of unpack it from the, the scripture. The big idea is this. God's kingdom is marked by a culture of relational health. God's kingdom is marked by a culture of relational health. Notice I said health and not perfection. We're not there yet. Perfection will come when Jesus comes, but till then we have to learn how to live relationally healthy. The reason why I say that, the word kingdom is, is a bit tricky to understand, I think, because we're not, we're not, we don't live in a monarchy, so we don't understand kings and kingdoms. The kingdom is this, it's every place where Jesus gets his way. It's every place where Jesus gets his way. When Jesus begins to have his way in you, when he gets his way in your life, and your relationships, you're going to find relational health. You'll be marked by a culture of relational health. Um, I I love reading the Gospels of Jesus. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just reading the accounts of Jesus. And I was thinking this week, there's, there's never one story where we read and think, Oh, man, that dude got worse. Like, he he started following Jesus, and, like, his life just, oh, it was nasty, right? No, there's there's no story of Jesus ever making a person worse. Now, religion has made some people worse, right? We've seen some of those people. Maybe you know some of those people. Maybe you were one of those people, right? I was just really religious, but I did not love Jesus. Religion can make people worse, but Jesus always makes people worse well always every every story of Jesus he's restoring he's redeeming he's making someone well Jesus never made a person worse but he always makes us well his culture his kingdom is a culture of relational health, so let's begin to walk through this. What does the gospel say about our brokenness, our relational brokenness, and how do we live out this new health? Well, in verse one through four that we just read, Paul says this, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, the first thing that that Jesus does in us is called the new birth. It's a new birth. And what Paul is saying here is this, you died like, when you gave your heart to Christ, there was a death that took place. You died with him on the cross, and then he says, you were raised again, right? There's, there's been a new birth in your life. This past week, I was at a, at a coffee shop, and a lawyer was in the coffee shop, and I overheard him talking about a visit he made with, uh, with the governor of our state to a prison in Louisiana. It's, it's referred to as Angola. I don't know if you ever heard of this prison. It's, it's the place where people go to die. I mean, 90 plus percent of them have life sentences. I think the average sentence there is 92 years. I mean, these are the people who have been um, convicted of, of murders, serial rapes, I mean, all kinds of bad stuff. And for the longest time, this was a place of incredible brokenness, more murders and assaults and and those kinds of things were happening on the prison than almost any other place in Louisiana. And this warden came in and his mom was a Christian. And she told him, son, you gotta do something about this. So here's what he did. He brought the gospel to the prison. He brought the gospel to the prison. He he had a seminary, the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, come in and start Bible colleges. He told the prisoners, look, if you have a guard that's mistreating you, I want you to, uh, here's how you do it, you write a note, it's anonymous, you're not going to get ratted out or anything like that, but I'm going to deal with them. I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of. Here. And he began to change the culture with the gospel and with authentic love. The place that used to be a living hell became the most peaceful jail. I mean, the, the stats, it's like 80% less issues that they've had in this place just by bringing the gospel. Five churches exist on the campus and they're led by inmates. There's a plaque on the wall and on it are names of prisoners that have gone through Bible college and have been transferred to other prisons to plant churches all out of this crazy, terrible prison. Here's what that means there's this myth that we have about relationships that says fundamental change is impossible. Right, that's what we think. So and so always does this and there's no, there's no way that's going to change. But see, the gospel says this, you have a new birth and that means that fundamental change is possible. What that speaks to us is where when we have these patterns that feel so ingrained in us, it's like, I don't know if I could ever, ever change. The new birth says to you, oh, yes, you can. You died, and you've been raised to new life. We have a new birth. The second thing that this speaks to us is that we have a new source. We read it in verse 4. He says, Christ, who is your life. He is your life. And that word life is a word that we studied back when we were looking at the I am statements. It's the word Zoe. It means the life worth living. The life that is truly life. It's the absolute fullness of life. It's Zoe. It's like, whew. It's the good stuff. Right? The thing that wakes you up in the morning. Christ is your life. You have a new source. That, that void that Pascal talked about, this God-shaped vacuum has been filled. Right? The Spirit of God indwells you. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God fills you, and it fills the void in you. You have a new source. And where you used to go into a relationship trying to use people, Like, make me feel loved, make me feel accepted, make me feel secure, make me feel at peace, right? You're you're like the leech, right? You're like, fill me, fill me, fill me. And instead, because we have a new source, we go into a relationship as people who are already loved. I'm already approved. I'm already secure. I'm already at peace, how? Because so and so finally did what I wanted them to do and they made me feel that way? No, 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 no. no. Jesus is my life, like his love is it's in me. We have a new source. The third thing that I believe this tells us is that we have a new identity, a new identity. In, in verse 11 he says this, in Christ there is not Greek and Jew circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all, and what he's done is he's just taken all the labels of their day and said, none of these apply to you anymore. I don't know if you've had a label on your life before, if you felt like you were labeled a certain thing, maybe by your family or your friends or whatever, but Paul just said, no, none of those things label you anymore. Christ is all and in all. And then check out what he says next. Therefore, as God's, what? Chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. He said, here's your label now. Here's your new identity. Chosen, holy and dearly loved I mean, think about those words. Think about the word chosen. Do you remember being a kid and they were picking teams? And like you're standing there like, come on, I want to play. It's like, no, uh, I'll take Jimmy and Juan and Carl. And you're like, I'm right here, right? You know, they didn't pick you. But here's the thing is, Jesus picked you. Never thought about that before? In the garden when he's sweating and he's He's got this, the, the, the drops of blood coming down his face because he's agonizing in prayer. You know what he's agonizing over? He's, he's picturing your face, and he's thinking about all the sin of your life being put upon him so that he might bring you to the Father. And he scans through all time and space and place and history, and he says, you, 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 he, cho- he chooses. You have been Chosen, which speaks to this, it speaks to that that relational brokenness of rejection, of always feeling rejected. You see, you've you're not rejected; <laughs> you're chosen. It speaks to our insecurities. Well, I'm not as good as other people. Blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. You are chosen. Paul says this, you're holy. I mean, think about that. You may not feel holy. <laughs> Maybe this morning, your kids did something, and you like lost your temper, and you're like, oh, I do not feel holy right now, right? You can confess and repent, and the Lord will take care of that, right? You're holy. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God, that there's this, this, this transfer, this, this all the junk of your life put on Jesus and all the holiness of Jesus has been given to you. You didn't earn it. It's your new identity, you are holy and that speaks to the shame in us. It speaks to the part of us that wants to hide. It speaks to the guilt and the condemnation that we feel because of our past. He says you're holy. And then he says this, you're dearly loved. Wow. You're dearly loved. I don't know if you feel dearly loved, but you are. You are dearly loved by the capital G God of the universe. And that speaks to our neediness, doesn't it? It speaks to that leechy part of us that wants to go onto people and like suck the life out of them, right? He says, "No, no, 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 no. You're dearly, dearly loved." It speaks to the deepest desires of our being to be loved. You are chosen. You're holy, and you're dearly loved. And then notice what he says next. He's beginning to launch into the new list. Right, he gave the old list, like put that away, don't do that, here now do this, put this on. And what he's saying is this, you aren't chosen holy and dearly loved because you're no longer angry, but instead you're patient, or because you finally got it together in your life, now God's happy with you. No, 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 that's not what he says. He says, out of your new identity, this is now how you live. See, we live from our new identity and not for it. Does that make sense? We're not trying to earn it. This is who you are because of Jesus, not because of any merit of your own. It is grace. And out of that, now you have a new identity to live from. And then the fourth thing is that he begins to show us the renewed ways of relating. In verse 10, he he says it this way. We've put on the new self. You're being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. That word renewed is like being restored. It's like being renovated. When Casey and I moved here into downtown Richmond, we bought an old house. It was, it was born in 1983, this house was, and um, not much had changed since 1983, and it, it was kinda nasty. Okay, it was really nasty. In fact, we in our in our bathroom we had a toilet that was jade green, and it had a baby blue um, toilet seat that was uh, the 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 puffy kind. You sit on it, and the air comes out of it. You know what I'm talking about? This was like pff, like it's the comfort seat or whatever. And I would have guys come in and like work on the house, and they would stop me and be like. Oh, man, like, can I take a picture of your toilet? I'm like, really? Like, I'm like, there are memes out there on Facebook about my toilet, right? Like, that's how bad it was. And we had to, we, we had to rip some stuff out, right? We, we, Glenn and Ben and I had jackhammers, and we were tearing out this nasty old flooring, right? We're ripping out all the grossness. Right, years of nastiness, and that's what Paul's saying about your life. Look, there's some there's some stuff in you, uh, right? Jesus is still working on that room, right? Yeah, there's rooms in our house where uh, we you walk in, we'd be like, oh, well, we haven't done that yet, and, and don't, don't look over there, and right, because there's still stuff that's being renewed. You're being renewed. There's some things in you that Jesus is still Working on. And here's what he's doing. He's taking the, the parts of you that have been unsympathetic or indifferent. And he's working compassion in you. He's, he's taking the place that, where you've been rude. And he's working kindness. He's taking that, that place in you where you've been self-righteous and self-focused and prideful and he's working humility. Where you've been too harsh or too aggressive, Jesus is working gentleness. Where you've been easily angered and annoyed, Jesus is working patience. Where you've been demanding, Jesus is helping you bear with one another where you've hung on to the past offenses, right? When, when you've just wanted to just hang on to those old things that happened, Jesus is starting to work forgiveness in you. Where you've been selfish and self-centered, Jesus is working sacrificial agape love. And where there's been division and strife, he's working unity and peace. He's renovating your relationships. He's changing you he's teaching us new ways of relating my uh, my grandfather is i think he's 92 years old now he is awesome he is he'll get up at six in the morning and chop down a tree and he's eating breakfast by 8 a.m i mean he is legit this guy is awesome and uh he has two gardens and In these gardens, I mean, he's got all kinds of stuff growing. He's got tomato plants and green beans and squash. And and here's the thing. The reason why he has tomato plants is because he planted tomatoes there. Right? And the reason why squash grows there is because he planted the squash there. And then he, like, watered it and pulled the weeds out. He has green beans because he planted green beans to grow in that Place. And, and there's this principle in Scripture. You'll see it in the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's a principle of sowing and reaping. And here's what it means. You will eat what you plant. And if you are planting out of the old man, anger, wrath, malice, evil desire, you will eat the fruit. You will. But you put to death the things of the old man and you begin to walk in the newness, the new identity that Jesus has for you and you begin to plant peace and you plant love, right? If you plant the things that he teaches us, kindness, gentleness, you will eat the fruit in all. It is good fruit. It's good fruit. But we will eat what we plant, for better or for worse. So what do we do with all this brokenness? What do we do with this pattern in us, with this rear view, we look back and we see, oh my gosh, I keep doing the same thing. The first thing is this, own your pattern, (laughs) own it. Because there's something in us that's like, well you know, um, so and so did that to me, Oh, and this person said that to me, right? And oh, and he, oh yes, I remember, he, he did this to me, and we, we're just so quick to say, no, they did that, and they did this, and she said that. And we never own our own stuff. We have to start by owning our pattern. The reality is, is that I do this. I say these things, I act this way, it's my pattern and I have to own it. The second thing is this, we have to interrupt the pattern. When I was in the church planting residency, we had a man by the name of Jim Harrington come and he would do these sessions with us on soul care. And this is kind of what all of soul care was about, is dealing with our relational brokenness. He said whenever you have an episode, right, you, um, you lose your temper or you get vindictive or whatever happens in your life, whatever your pattern is, whenever that happens, what you need to do is just recognize it and then what he said is get up in the balcony. Like if you've ever been to an arena where they have a big balcony and you can kind of look down and see what's happening below, you have to get up in the balcony and look down and say, okay, what just happened there? like, what was going on? Like I just lost my temper, why? And then we begin to interrupt the pattern. We recognize it, we own it, and then we begin to interrupt it. No, no, I know what's going on here. I know what's under the surface. We have to live into our transformation. Paul uses action words. He, he uses the word put off and then put on. To put off literally means to cast something aside. It's, it's, to, it's to, to renounce it, to throw it away. And then that word put on in the Greek would be like be clothed in, like getting dressed in the morning, right? I'm going to put something else on. If you've ever seen that, um, that show What Not to Wear on TV, right? they take somebody and all their friends are like, oh, her wardrobe is terrible. She's, she wears, v, or she wears a, a turtleneck sweater every day, right? And they're, they're telling him, like, you've got to help this person. They come in and they, they give the person a new wardrobe and they help them change their hair and their makeup. And you see them at the end and you're like, oh my gosh, it looks like a movie star, right? It's just amazing. They, they put off something and they put on something new. And what Paul is saying is, look, you need to put on something new. Put on the character of Jesus, and here's why this is important. Because I think that many of us have bought into an idea of magic Christianity. Right? It's, it's magic, we pray, and then all of a sudden we're not angry anymore or I I never do that thing anymore, right? I used to always do that and now I don't do it anymore and we have this magic thing and we're just praying, we're just waiting for God to do something and right here God's saying, whoa, put off and put on. Cast it away, be clothed in. He's putting action words on us, not waiting. Oh, for the magic moment where all of the things dissipate. I pray that God does deep, amazing things in you, and you don't want certain things anymore, and you, you don't do things anymore, but here's the thing, you have to put off and put on. You have to cooperate with the Spirit of God in your life. So we have to live into the transformation. Lastly, it's this. He says it in verse 13. Oh, this is so good bearing with one another, and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you are also to forgive. You own your pattern. You interrupt the pattern. You live into your transformation and then get this, forgive and be forgiven. Forgive. Whatever that pattern is in your life oh they always do this it makes me so mad forgive release just like Jesus released you just as Jesus forgave you let that begin to flow out of your being to forgive those around you and receive the forgiveness of God See, God's kingdom is marked by a culture of relational health. We've had, we have a new birth, a new source, and a new identity. We're, we're renewed in how we relate to one another. Let's pray together this morning. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin churchorg